0: Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by DVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the
1: comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation.
0: Everybody, welcome back to the Air Combat Sim podcast. This is Juice, uh, one of the new guys here, and today I am going to be the primary host and working with Bell Belgio to interview the team, the Baltic Dragon team, uh, Raven One, Dominant Fury. Uh, our guests today are Hoser, you may remember, Captain Miller, and we've got Jello Commander Iello, and then we've got Belgio as my co-host, and I am Juice. And little little quick introductions around, starting with uh, you. Uh, Hoser, go ahead.
1: Hey, Juice. Great to be with you today. Uh, Kevin Miller, author of the, the Raven 1 trilogy and uh, uh, co-developer with uh, with Jello and, and uh, BD of the uh, Raven 1 campaign and uh, the upcoming Raven 1 Dominant Fury. Awesome.
0: Commander Jello, how are you, sir?
2: <laughs> Doing quite well, thanks. Good to be back. I think I've been on this show now a couple times, but yeah, former F-18 pilot, uh, I've worked with hoser quite a bit on the various campaigns we've been doing and host of the fighter pilot podcast and just glad to be here
0: yeah this is awesome i feel like i'm backstage with aerosmith right now <laughs> and BD, greetings from the
3: from the european continent sir how are you hello from belgium yeah all good thank you so i, f- I think people know me a little bit from this podcast yeah um, i, I yeah. think so <laughs> Yeah, you're, so, uh, you're
0: you're the head regular one of the head regulars here. So, welcome welcome as a guest today, sir. It's nice to be as a guest, yeah. And good afternoon, Belgio, from the United States. Uh my country of choice. Of course, I like to say, good
4: evening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, I have so much on West fun coast. doing the um the apache episode the last time so uh when bd asked if i wanted to come back to do the raven one dominant fury i was like "Hey, why not it's not raven one unless flips there right <laughs> flip and kevin <laughs>
0: Bell Giota is also, like myself, one of the new panel members over here at ACS Podcast. Uh, And he's also, like myself, a YouTube provider uh, under the channel of the same name. So if you see his name in the credits and uh, if you go to his channel, you'll see the content he has there. And as I introduced myself earlier, I'm Juice of the Air Warfare Group. So we have a little short list of questions today from our viewers, and we're going to be reading some of those, Uh, we're going to be also interjecting some of our own questions, but a lot of this, because we have the three campaign makers here, the developers here, we're going to let them uh, organically tell us a little bit about the evolution of this campaign and how it is going to come to fruition. So uh, my first question is, uh, you know, it would be a good opener, Uh, you guys can pick who answers first. but. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the background of the new campaign, uh, where and when? I'm pretty sure it probably plays off of the book series by Hoser. Uh, But uh, where, when, on which map, uh, where does it take place, and who are the main characters? Let's let's get the story, backstory on that if we can.
1: I'll take that question. Uh, Raven 1 was released in August of 2020, and people liked it. So uh, BD, Jello, and I discussed, uh, hey, Let's let's do this again, and uh, BD had mentioned that the uh, to us uh, the Syria map is a very popular map in, in DCS, and uh, Jello and I in our careers had spent a fair amount of time in that part of the world, so we uh, we, we uh, decided yeah, let's make it a a prequel. We can make it when Flip begins his department head tour in the Ravens about the 2005 time frame. And uh, we could start with some scenarios, just the innocuous scenarios. And then as so often happens in the real world, you know, one thing builds on another. And, and pretty soon you're in a full-blown operation there. So, so we, uh, we um, uh, Jello, took the lead on uh, scripting out some, uh, some scenarios, of some ideas. And, and Jello and I, you know, knocked that back and forth on, on email. And, uh, and Jello, I checked today. I think it was, uh, and I, I know it was. Uh, December of 2020 that we did the first mission script for what will become Dominant Fury.
2: That sounds about right. It's a long process. I don't know if people fully understand that because you have to, of course, brainstorm the idea and then kind of hash it out. Then you got to work with someone like BD to see what's possible in DCS. And so, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Here we are, what, 16 months later
0: yeah I think uh the the map that you guys uh synergized on from the beginning is awesome because I have two favorite maps in d c s world My favorite map operationally is the Syria map. My favorite map for training is obviously the Nevada map with uh, the NTTR that we have available to us there and all the different landmarks and everything um b d you you kind of set this ball rolling with your first campaign uh what what was new or what was different with this when uh
3: when you came online with the dominant fury idea? I think the main difference from my point of, my point of view was that, uh, well, in first campaign we had to recreate what happened in the novel, so we had a set of missions that we had to, or I had to build as closely to the original as possible, whereas here we were more free to go any direction we like and do whatever we want, so I think that players will see that it's it's a bit different uh, because, yeah, we were more free to, to choose whatever we want to do and what, what what we want player to do in this campaign. And just coming back to your previous question um, about the 2005 timeframe, it's also nice because we could get some different uh, aircraft in as well. So the Spartans are still flying the Tomcats and not the Hornets. Uh, so we, we will hopefully have the Prowler when Hitler releases the, the AI model. So yeah, it gave us also some new options to build on. Now, see, I like hearing that.
4: I like hearing that uh, that you've got top cats involved there. <laughs> I didn't know that when I was started recording, but that actually brings to mind um, a good question. Now, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as a lot of people who have played the campaign are concerned, Raven 1 is considered by them pretty much the golden standard now for the DCS campaigns. Um, what exactly could people expect from this prequel that's going to be different from the original aside from Tomcats of course I'll, I'll uh, start with that I think uh,
1: and, and Jell and I talked about this you know what if we have our, our hero flip you know in all these you know air air engagements and you know big time strikes and you know he just have a chest full of silver stars DFCs, and and above and and we we decided that we would we would not, tie ourselves to the raven one novel we would uh you know we would have you know flip and the ravens you know do whatever they needed to do to make this campaign as as much much fun as intense as as we could make it so uh there there is a lot of kinetic stuff going on in uh in dominant fury and and there there is a lot of of coordinated strikes um, and so we really pushed Baltic Dragon as he put these uh, these missions together, very intense.
4: Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm starting to gather, at least from a voiceover point of view. There seems to be a lot more work <laughs> this time around uh, with some of these missions. Um, now, from what I've been gathering from, you know, some folks online, some of the complaints that we've gotten, and it's been very few complaints, was that Raven 1 was too complex. Now, it uses a lot of, I guess, specialized lingo that, you know, not everybody's familiar with. How do we plan on making things easier for gamers this time around?
2: Well, if I can, if, can I uh, interject? Because I'm curious if we should be targeting easier. I mean, look, we all enjoy. Activities that don't really tax us too much, right? We'll sit by the pool or we'll turn on the TV and mindlessly flip channels, but no pun intended there with flip. Uh, But perhaps something like this from a team like this should challenge people because if you want something easier, there's probably a place to get it. But if we can create something where you can come back and back and back until you get it just right and you can learn the lingo if you're interested in these topics and you can get to a point where it's as realistic as if you were really doing this in an actual squadron somewhere, well, to me, that's the gold standard. That's what we've always shot for is how do we create something that is as realistic as possible without giving anything away, of course, um, but also fun and playable. So, yeah, from my point of view, if it's hard on people, well, welcome, <laughs> and, and and good luck, and come back to it, but um, yeah, may, maybe I'm off base there, but that's kind of my thinking on it.
0: Well, I have two words to go with that. Amen. <laughs> because <laughs> word. Word. get good. <laughs> you know, one of the things that attracted me to DCS in the first place was it was a place for me to nostalgically Transfer over my history in the Air Force of supporting fighter operations and all different types of air ops all around the world uh, to those painful missions where you know an F-15 had just punched holes in the sky for six hours, didn't do a thing, just as a you know just as a deterrent. Uh, you know the 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 new missions, the way Raven One was set up with the you. You have a FAM flight or a, uh, a familiarization ride just to get used to the AOR and the frequencies because a lot of that stuff is pre-programmed standard uh, in, in your boxes, boxes and buttons. Um, and the the level of realism where you've got a mission and you have to refuel to get there and get back. You have to uh, stay in your space or you blow your airspace and get in trouble. I think that... That might be considered difficulty, but it's realism. That's what the real guys do every day. And it's still fun because we actually do get a progress, whereas the guys that do it every day
3: sometimes do it for six months and they never fire a missile. Now, I think if I may add to that is uh, one thing, uh, and it's not going to be easier. Actually, it's going to be more difficult, uh, is that the briefings for New Raven 1 uh, were, being written by, were written by Jello and Hoser like, full Everything was written by them, and it's written exactly uh, as, I mean, probably omitting some stuff, but as the briefings would be given in the in the ready room, uh, and the, the testers that are trying the, some of the missions in the beginning was difficult for them to. They had to read two or three times the, the briefings to really get into them. But then, when they did, they said, "Wow, it's just amazing! It, it, you get this extra layer or this extra feeling of, of realism in the campaign." So that's one thing, and the other is just about the what we're going to do to help the players. So we're, we're building a I don't know how do you call it, a lexicon or like a readme file that will go with the campaign. So whenever there's some language that might be difficult, we try to put them put put those phrases in there. Then we go with Kevin and with uh, Joe to discuss how to best describe them, so the people can always look at, look them up while playing or before playing. Well, so that that should help.
1: Uh, J- Jello and I learned a lot about DCS from from not only developing Raven One, but then then uh, you know watching the the, the the social media comments, the, the reviews, uh, and then you know asking BD, all right, how how can we do this? So so uh, so Jello and I, uh, as BD said, we, we scripted it, and and uh, the way that our, our process worked is uh, I would I would plan a mission, and and Kind of a, an overall briefing, and then script all the lines of voice. Send that to Jello, who would improve it. Send it back to me. We would we would then agree on a smooth that we would send to BD. BD would then explain the, the reality of mission editor, and we had to tweak a few things, but but not that much. And and uh, and he was a, we really stretched BD with his knowledge and ability to to use super carrier. As as an example, and uh, to to use that, I think that to the maximum extent, and, and, and all facets of the Hornet, to include aircraft malfunctions, um, and and lots of uh, uh, lots of joint and and combined operations, foreign air forces, and and uh, you know some some pretty cool missions. So uh, I I counted the other day, uh, it was seventy four thousand words of uh, of scripting that that we used to develop dominant fury and and to give an example raven won the novel was 120,000 words and and so that was uh it was it was an undertaking uh, but we really had fun doing it
0: yeah i feel like this is uh this is you've got the book which is you're reading and you're you're basically taking in the information you're immersing yourself into the story this campaign is like reading the book and also watching the movie, but starring in the movie as you go through it. That's the way it feels.
3: Yeah, I think that, that was the idea. That's what DCS offers us as players, and the tools are amazing. And yeah, with some degree of thinking outside the box, it's possible to to, to script a lot of things that well work pretty well. I mean, testing the missions we built, it's yeah, it's 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 pretty good. It works
0: pretty well. So does the uh, new campaign follow a storyline that's compatible or with uh, comparable to any of this com- uh, earlier series of books or anything, or is it one of those things where we're actually going into new, new uncharted territory or new ground where we're kind of creating our own stories? Uh, that might have been partially answered here in the last five minutes, but you know, can we close that one out as is it going to be something new or is it going to be something that we probably could have read in another series or something?
1: i'll start with that and say it's it's new uh... however there's you know naval aviation carrier aviation you know i mean some some scenarios you know transcend the three books um, but we uh... you know we so we have uh... flip and uh... some other familiar characters from raven one earlier in their careers earlier in their time in the ravens
2: and i'll tell you there was some growing pains because you know, my, my charter in this whole thing is, okay, if this was really to happen, how realistic can we make it? And I kept coming back to Hoser saying, well, hold on in your book. If he'd have done all these things in this prequel, he would already, like you said, Hoser have a chest full of medals and he'd be an ace and invited to all kinds of top gun reunions and everything else to speak about all his 25 kills or whatever. And so we had to suspend reality a little bit there and say, all right, well, suppose he just showed up as the department head prior, and we can just suspend reality a little bit. Of course, this is a game anyway, so let's have some fun with it. And, and what could he do? And, and within that realm, how realistic can we make it? And the other thing I want to point out, Jose, I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do, but uh, we haven't really talked about it in a while. Our very first plan for this was, well, what if we just had a series of vignettes? And what if we took different things in real life and maybe molded them into a single mission where mission one is just okay go out and do this and the mission 10 is go out and do that and they have no relation to each other at all and we started down that path and then after a while we said well this is actually harder than probably tying everything together because then we can have it build and it'll be more fluid if you will for not fluid that's not the word i want it'll be more consistent for the player and more logical and so it builds to a crescendo like people are expecting and they're used to and so uh, we had some fun trying to find our way and in the end i think people will really enjoy it
4: so would you say that um, this campaign the, the series of missions that have been created for this are these uh, pretty much based on experiences that you guys have had in your career in the navy or is it more the kind of stuff that you always wanted to do But, you know, (laughs) nine times out of ten, you just ended up, you know, running your regular circuits and whatnot and coming back.
2: Yeah. I think it's based on a world that could happen in some parallel universe with actual assets in real places on our current earth with adversaries and other players that could respond a certain way. So it's certainly, yeah, my my career was relatively boring, which is a good thing. Um, And so... It's certainly nothing that I've ever done, but it's very believable for an air wing to go out and do something like what we've depicted in this campaign.
1: And Bill, I would answer that uh, yes and yes. Um, one of the missions is a uh, is a, a low level opposed uh, ingress. It's a training mission, and uh, and and those are were quite intense. And you know, you had to hit your target time on time, and you know, you got to go back and, and look good around the ship, and. Um, But but certainly there's uh, sure things we wish we could have done, and and also some things that uh, uh, in in carrier aviation history have been done that we could uh, build on in in scenarios here. And so uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's a mixture.
3: And to jump on that uh, because you also asked before Bill about the how much more kinetic stuff will there be, and that people some of the people that were complaining on the. Original Raven One said that there's too much training and not enough kinetic. But uh, as this, what what Joe said or what Jose now said, uh, we're not going to change that. So we will still have some training stories. We'll have some stories that we would do normally, and they it all kind of gets evolves into more and more kinetic. But it will not be kinetic from the start. Having said that, Mission One, which is completely not kinetic, uh, but my testers they said that it's just Well, very unexpected and very, very straining, so to speak, and it's also quite long. Uh, So I think you'll be in for a treat there. Well, you know, I think it's important to tell everybody that DCS
0: is such a diversified or a a very broad-spectrum simulator that you can use it for anything you want. And in the realism campaigns, which really attracted me to the sim in the first place, um, you know, I own Raven 1, and I've done a couple missions out of it. I just really, I'm almost waiting till I can do the first mission and not do anything bad to go to the next because I'm just a perfectionist. But I've done other missions or other campaigns, uh, including the Red Flag Eagle campaign, the uh, Argo campaign with the Huey, and I see the evolution of the campaigns in DCS as step one, step two, step step three, step four, step five. Uh, As far as missions, what I would really like to see is an evolution of campaign capabilities to where the outcome of mission one decides which mission two you're going to get you're going to get an alternate reality of what mission two you could have a different outcome uh which is uh of the first mission which drives what the scenario is going to be for the next mission those are pre-programmed in so that the computer algorithm already knows oh he didn't make these goals so let's let's see if we see anything like that coming as a capability i know that's probably limited to the to the game engine it's kind of like a
3: choose your own adventure type of deal it is inside. I mean, in Mission Editor, you can set different missions depending on how the previous one goes. So you can branch the campaign into different ways. But then as with branching, if you branch it into two, then you have to create further down the road four. And then you have to create eight or 16 or whatever, uh, which makes the campaign having a campaign of 10 missions that you play in a row would mean that you will probably have to build 30 missions or more to, to, for it to work. So for that reason, it's difficult.
1: Just to answer your question, uh, I I think that uh, players will find that, that we scripted that each mission builds on another, especially the last half of the campaign. That uh, you know the Ravens go out and, and uh, strike something, and uh, the nec- the enemy is going to react to that. So the, the next day the Ravens have to react to that reaction and, and deal with with whatever they're tasked with. So that that I think that is uh, is built in in the campaign script.
0: You know, this wasn't on the uh, on the list of questions that we formulated for the interview. Uh, is there going to be, with the supercarrier and all its capabilities and the ready room and everything, are we going to be getting a dressing down from the CO for anything, where you actually get to stand in front of somebody and get chewed out for something you did wrong? That would be ultra-realistic in my book.
1: Yeah, I think I, I'll, I'll speak for myself, and maybe Jello can chime in. That, that's, that's some real-world stuff that, uh, that that could be added.
2: Uh, I had Mandatory to go see fun. the Airboss once.
0: I've only had to call the tower once myself at a military base when I landed. (laughs) All right. So, you know, uh, to close off a little bit about the scenario building and stuff, will we see more air to air in this campaign? Will we get some guaranteed air to air refueling?
1: You're going to see air to air, uh, you know, uh, BVR and, and engaged. And, and, and yes, uh, you know, air to air refueling is going to get you to the, the target area and back. So, uh, um, yes, yeah, so I, I would think as far as air-to-air tactical engagements more than than the Raven 1 campaign.
4: So that kind of begs the question then, um, what kind of time frame were we looking at for the playthrough of any of the missions that we're going to have? You said there were what, about 15 BD? Yes. How long would you say is the play time for each mission on average?
3: So on average, I think... Uh, the the shortest mission would be 1 hour 20 minutes something like that and the longest one will be up to three hours Uh, but what what we want to do we want to include the kind of checkpoints so you can you can probably before or actually after air-to-air refueling you could just start a mission and then jump directly to that moment so you don't have to sit three hours to play through it you can if you like but we didn't force players to not do it, like in previous campaigns. So all the missions are playable from start to, to end, and it's between 1 hour 20 and 3 hours. So that would give you roughly around 40, 35, 40 hours of, of gameplay if you play it only once. That's one of
0: the things I love about working with BD, is he has those numbers nailed down just right. So there is was a, actually a slew of questions we got from the listeners. Ahead of time, and they kind of tie in together. So I'll try to rope everything into one question out of these three. Um, and they're, they're asking about this series as a prequel, uh, the series of missions as a prequel. Uh, the, the first question that kind of comes out of that is uh, why do a prequel before? And I think Star Wars has already kind of set the book on that. You know, they did the, all the, the prequel that came out after the first three of the trilogy. Uh, do you have any thoughts about how that story came on
1: well i think we uh we saw the success of raven 1 and and uh dcs community loved it and uh so you know how how can we how can we build on that and uh uh th- using using the syria map and uh th- and then uh, and it was mentioned earlier and uh can we include the f14 Tomcat? yes if we you know move it up to a a, a prequel so um I think uh, for the three of us, it was a, uh, a reaction uh, a few months after Raven One came out. Let's let's do this again, and in 2005 in Syria.
2: Well, we also, Hoser, right? Didn't we look at trying to do declared hostile? But I think BD, you had said that the Caribbean map wouldn't really support it. So we did consider the logical sequential flow, but for all the reasons Hoser just stated, ended up on a
3: prequel. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's uh, we we just didn't have don't have assets in DCS to to fully build the declared hostile or fight fight, which we'd love to do if when we when we have the world map in DCS and there's a plan to make a whole globe, uh, we can do whatever we like. So f- for the moment, we don't have any maps for the, after Raven One. That's why we decided to go and do things before, uh, three years before. You know that makes sense because
0: uh, as ED releases new maps, it gives us these theater of operations that that are really, if we were to do as much realism as we could, we had operations that might predate the operations of the last campaign. So we, it's a good way to go back in time to stay within the period and with off of historical events and everything like that. Like I've, there's ED has that F-18 mission where we do Mongo's MiG-21 shootdown. Uh, which is perfect, it is on the Persian Gulf map though I don't think it's in the actual actual area uh where that happened uh where that was that shootdown was over Baghdad or over uh, Iraq so the other parts of that question that came up uh is there you know are there any plans for a next Raven one uh sequel that's gonna be that goes forward of the timeline adds on to that or is that just something that's really not in the books right now
1: our plan is to uh, maybe even go back further in time and uh, do a FA18 training campaign where're uh, using the a, a Raven pilot and we're not sure which one yet uh, but uh, to, to go through and and uh, and become a, a combat wingman so to be introduced in, in a training scenario all, all the facets of uh, of tactical carrier aviation um, before you you kind of you know go on a deployment, uh, so you know you're, you're going to practice uh, some some air-to-air engagement, maybe a 1v1, and then you're going to practice dropping some some practice bombs on a, on a raked range, and, and all all those blocking and tackling skills that that can build up to where you're ready to go. So where did
0: the name for the uh, campaign come from, Dominant Fury? Uh, Jello gets credit for that.
2: And I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just i don't know came to me as a flash or an inspiration one day but we were we, we had batted around changing the raven one part remember the sozer we thought about doing oh raven zero like yes. okay that sounds kind of weird <laughs> so we decided okay so raven one is the brand and the first campaign set the standards so now we need something to differentiate this one and I don't remember where the inspiration came from, so I may just have to make up a story so that I can answer that a little better next time.
0: <laughs> well, that's probably a lot easier than uh, having to keep up with all the timelines. Like, uh, you know, is if you go forward in time, uh, backwards in time, I should say, prequel, uh, is Flip Wilson uh, an ensign? Or if you go far in the advance in the future, is he make it to Flag Officer? I think people want to know what's going on in Flip's life when retirement hits, you know? Maybe there'll
4: be a new campaign, something, Giratol One or something like that. Geritol <laughs> <laughs> One. <laughs> Although I do well, have a small that... confession. All of the um, voiceovers that I've been sending in, I've been sending them under the name Raven Zero. <laughs> I have not oh. changed any of that.
2: Hey, the way we grind the sausage behind the scenes is fine as long as folks get the uh, final product. But Hoser, over to you on uh, what happens with Flip. I, I believe there's some news on that, or I don't know. I think you and I have talked about it on my show.
1: Yeah, Flip's still on shore duty, but, uh, but Flip will go to sea again, and and uh, he'll he'll be promoted to uh, strike group commander, and he'll he'll cause trouble in uh, in probably the Mediterranean and and uh, Atlantic Ocean this time, but. Uh, but as as we're talking about
2: the novels here to be clear
1: right and and, right we're we're talking about the the next novel that i'm going to write um on the uh but as far as the the raven one training campaign that that we were discussing earlier uh we're we're still going to grind that sausage and we're going to going to find out uh you know are we going to feature one pilot or does it does it uh or we kind of go through the the ravens um and i i I don't think it'll be ensign wilson but uh but you know it'll be uh a
3: little bit before. To speak a little bit more about the training campaigns, so let's say the third part of Raven 1, uh, just uh, think of it as a nice way of of learning the ropes of F-18 but done with the help of two former Hornet drivers with what, you have 6,000 hours between you two flying, so there'll be a lot of inside knowledge that you would not get anywhere else uh, and then you'll be able to fly those missions and not only read something so i think that's going to be a big um uh, advantage of this campaign
2: and also it addresses what we discussed earlier which is people who said hey it's a little too challenging for me so we said okay well that's fine let's keep those other two campaigns as sprint but now based on the expertise that we have demonstrated the three of us can create a crawl walk run campaign that hopefully." folks will enjoy. it. it might not even be the same folks, although they might just because they're familiar and, and like our campaigns, but it might be new players. Uh, so we're hoping to branch out in that regard and make it more playable from folks with uh, newer skills.
1: Another thing that we're discussing among ourselves is how to brief and debrief this. We could, uh, we can brief a a, a, a 1b1 in-house canned 1b1 lots of fun to fly and uh, but how how do you debrief the learning points and, and we're, we're going to figure out a way to do that so i think that because again is is in a in a training uh, campaign we we want to impart knowledge and uh, so to, a, a way that that we'll do that in the brief of course but then uh, coming back afterwards we'll uh we'll say hey remember what happened here you know next time it happens to you here's how you can react to it
0: You know, I can't overemphasize the training aspect of that because, uh, and not to channel this towards the Air Warfare Group and giving credit over to us over there, is a lot of guys ask to come fly with us, and I I typically tell them, well, you know, yeah, we're we're open to certain uh, avenues of joining us for some of our missions, but most people wouldn't like it uh, because we follow the 95-5 rule. uh, 95% of your time is spent training. At five percent is at war, and we really train, train, train. And I think the balance that a lot of people would probably really appreciate with the campaigns—if you've got a 15 campaign mission, that natural step stair of where you're building, building up the, let's say, the first five missions. Let's go. One third of the missions are uh, training or orientation oriented. Uh, getting up to speed into the billet and then those next five are actually the challenges leading up to the drama Uh, you know the you know you get to watch one of your wingmen get shot down and you launch a CSAR mission go pick him up and everything and then you've got now we're gonna go in and close the uh, we're gonna go downtown Baghdad and drop down the uh, drop down the towers that's the uh, this the finale I think mission 15 if there is 15 1 through 15 mission 15 would be less RTB and go home and have the girls meet us on the deck like Tom Cruise and everything
1: no none of that in our real life experience <laughs> you're just you're just gonna you're just gonna fly a, 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 a difficult hop and probably uh, trap aboard at night and uh, you'll, you'll get a get a slider in the wardroom and uh, next day you'll do it again but uh, we're gonna um, no we, we, we do have a, a crescendo mission uh at uh, a a big huge uh uh multi strike that and, and bd again i mean you know Jello and i have 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 pushed the limit uh of his uh his dcs knowledge and and i, I have no doubt that he'll he'll get better at dcs as, as the years go by but uh, th- this was a, uh, um, a a real uh intense development campaign for all three of us but BD has to take that script. He's the he's the director of this movie, and uh, and and bring it to life. Of course, working with uh, with Bell, uh, who has a lion's share of the of the the voice acting.
3: So, so mission fifteen is this uh, twenty aircraft, three hour strike with two artillery to air to to hit target in Syria, and uh, just to give you a little bit of background, when I build missions, I. After a few, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes or so, I save a new version of it. So, version one, two, three, and so on. Uh, I was at version 110 when I finished building it, when I had it kind of working as I wanted. So you can imagine how much work goes into into that. Huge, huge amount
1: of work, and, and uh, you know, the, the three of us would converse. You know, as, as these missions are being scripted and built. You know, can 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 DCS do this? And and BD would answer, you know, you know, yes in these constraints or no, but here's a workaround. That which is great. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's even better than than the script. So let, let, let's go with that. And and uh uh yeah, very very, very dynamic.
4: So actually that um brings to mind a question that I have, because I'm just the guy that records the lines, basically. So <laughs> I don't know a lot of what's going on behind the scenes, and I'm pretty sure that our listeners would also be interested in knowing what is the the typical process when it comes to coming up with a mission from the time that somebody has the crazy idea or not so crazy idea, depending on which mission it is. To okay, this one is ready for testing. Okay, well, I guess uh,
1: I, the first part of that question, I was thinking, you know, how does this happen? Well, I okay uh, someone in Washington the Secretary of Defense says, uh, USS Valley Forge I want you to do but but maybe your, your question is, is more you know just how we how we, uh, how we uh, script this out I, I guess I'll start by uh, you know Joe and I had had the mission idea um, I would script it first and, uh, and to with all the the briefing all the mission planning I, I would get on on my you know, my, my map and, and kind of, you know, measure out distances. Okay, can, can we do this? Where, where should Valley Forge be? Uh, and then, um, so after the script, send it to Jello, who would, who would QA it and, and make it better. We would, we would uh, agree and then send it to BD. And sometimes uh, it, was, it was not possible with, with the software in Mission Editor. So we go back and, and, and fix it. And, and oftentimes BD would do that on his end real time. So but I think that the difference in, uh, in, in this campaign from Raven 1 is that there is going to be uh, more of a, of, a, of a preamble. Okay, here's the world situation, and then here is the strike brief, the element brief, and, and maybe maybe a, a page of text. And Joe and I can tell you, you know, in real life, these things last hours. And then, then you go fly it, and it lasts hours, and you come back and, and, and talk about it. Uh, so that, that I think that the the game players are going to see uh, um, more on the more of the Paul Mill situation and uh, and more of the of the overall strike brief and mission element brief.
0: Yeah, I would have to say the level of skill required to play these missions can be variable. Uh, we got a question about that specific topic, and and I think what everybody's definition of fun is different. Like the way, the harder the better, I think it's the more fun. But the, um, you know, if, if you don't do your homework, there's, there's basically two ways you can do this mission. You could read the pre-brief, prep for it, know how to operate, the essential systems that you have in your airplane and go out and fly the mission and you'll have a lot better timeline and result than you would if you just go out and do the mission, wait till you fail, and then learn from that and then fail again until you learn. Cause you're going to fail at every step along the way. If you t- approach it that way, uh, what level of skill would you guys, if we were to categorize this, what level of skill does
3: anybody need to fly this campaign? Before we answer that, I just wanted to quickly go back to uh, the previous question and what Jose said. Uh, maybe two two remarks. One is the big difference with this campaign and Raven 1 uh, was that Raven 1, the briefings were written to match the novel in a way. Uh, here, the briefings are written as they're, I'd say, performed in real life. So it's, it's a completely different language and, and people have to get used to that, but I think when they do, they love it. And the second thing I remember was very nice moment where we met at Tailhook with Hoser and between some of the meetings that were there, we, we sat on the table and he brought this Google Maps or Google Earth uh, photos or with, with some t- tasks and targets marked and we were discussing how we could actually, you know, w- what we could do with them in the DCS. So it was just amazing sitting there <laughs> with, with those maps printed out and talking how to pursue the missions. So that, that was fun. And coming back now to this question, uh, the skill level, I think, well, you, you have to be pretty pretty good with uh, all aspects of flying the hornet from there'll be missions that will really train you without even attacking a single target but you would let's say we have a case three recovery that's built in with all the voiceovers in it so you'll be part of the larger package coming down so if you mess it up and if you're not on the time where you're supposed to be you will not be able to I mean, in the worst, I mean, best-case scenario, you'll just mix up the script. In the worst-case scenario, you'll just not pass the mission. And I was actually asking Joe, I remember, what happens if you're part of a larger package coming down at night and you're not where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be? And I said, well, what? It, it doesn't happen. <laughs> if Normally, you just, you, you're just there. So you, you have to be able to nail that down. Uh, and also, all the, I think all the weapons, uh, there, there won't be any stupid engagements like, 10 versus 1 or whatever, it's its gonna be realistic, I think. But you need to know all the weapons, all the systems. You'll also need to be able to take care of some of the in-flight um, well problems you can have with the jet. So some, some how you call them, uh, malfunctions. So yeah, a lot of things that you might need to do at the same time. So you were saying uh, earlier
4: that there is a mission, I think it's it last mission or something along those lines, where you've got to deal with, what, 20 or so AI aircraft? Now, as somebody who kind of dabbles in mission creation myself, just, you know, for YouTube video purposes and whatnot, I can't even imagine how you're going to wrangle 20 AI aircraft. What do you do to contain the inconsistencies and the errors that, uh, well, let's face it, DCS AI is notorious
3: for? Well, A, it's a lot of, as I said, 110 iterations of the same mission where you, I really test out different things. And B, there's a lot of safeguards built in. So when the player doesn't see what the AI is doing, sometimes if the AI doesn't do what I ask her to do, then we have some safeguard built in, so the mission continues. But so far, I have to say, it's pretty good. On all the 15 missions, uh, no problems. The AI is working. Hitting targets, going wherever they want—that they should, not falling into the ground too much. So it's pretty good.
4: Well, that's a relief to hear, at least.
0: <laughs> so, since this is a prequel mission, or prequel uh, series or campaign, uh, are we going to see Saint? Is he going to be alive? Is he going to be part of the cast?
1: Okay, I'll answer it. Uh, uh, this is this is before Saint was XO. So Saint Saint had not yet reported to the Ravens. You know, three years before. Uh, you know, the, the the Raven 1 Persian Gulf campaign. So, uh, so sorry.
4: I think I can speak on behalf of Flip and go, whew, glad to hear that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably anybody who served with him, but yes, especially Flip.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I, I just know Saint, the call sign from the Speed and Angels movie and everything. I know I, I it's a call sign for the mission, not for the uh, person. So I've never... I've, like I said, I Saints barked at me a couple of times for breaking my altitude,
3: my deck, but uh, uh other than that I haven't met him face to face yet. So as to Saint, yeah, we we don't have Saint and Saint was voiced by Ralphie Dude and well, I kind of miss Saint building the this campaign, but well, I think maybe maybe it would have been too much. But we do have well, we do have a lot of very interesting and well-known people doing voiceovers, and so of course Bell uh, as Flip, and we've put a lot of strain on him, because how many lines did you, did you count how many lines did you have to record? I refuse to count how
4: many lines I've got to record, I'm just going by the mission and
3: just keep recording. (laughs) Yeah, but that's probably over thousands or something, or around a thousand, so it's a lot. Um, so that, but also we we have well Kevin is doing uh, Cags for Boda uh, again, a uh, decag now in this campaign, right? Correct. So Joe is doing Kajun, who's uh, a exo for 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 the Ravens. But we also have a I mean we have the same act, actors or characters as last time. So Smoke Tricker, we have. Uh, Spudknocker playing Weed, I guess. We have Growling Sidewinder playing one of the characters. But we also have some new people in a way, so we'll have Tactical Pascal uh, as AWACS controller in one of the missions. We'll have uh, Sluggo, who's a f- friend of Hoser and who was the F-14 pilot, right? Correct, yes. A shipmate of mine uh, flew F-14s. And he'll, he'll be the uh, CEO of the Ravens uh, in this campaign. And we also have Mooch as Keg for Tomahawk, so quite a few interesting people to to lend their voices, which we're very grateful for.
0: Well, Bell, you were uh, involved in this project as a voiceover from the beginning, as Flip's voice. How did you feel uh, the impersonating Flip? I mean, was it like a dream come true, like it would be for me?
4: I don't know that I would say necessarily a dream come true. <laughs> Right, let me clarify that. Let me clarify that. Because don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the character. And when I was first given the, um, the audiobook to, you know, kind of get the backstory on Flip and what the Raven One story was all about, he really resonated with me because ever since I was a little kid, I always fancied myself as wanting to be in the Navy. Of course, life doesn't always work out the way you want it. But when what I saw in Flip is pretty much exactly how I felt I would have been had I gone through, you know, Pensacola and everything else that would have gotten me out to the boat and, of course, as a career Navy person. So to me, it feels natural. And recording all the lines that, um, you know, basically they're just like the same thing over and over again. A lot of Rogers and a lot of, you know, check one, check, you know, check one channel, check the other channel, so on and so forth. It's all the same lines a lot of the time. And honestly, I don't really have an issue with that. It's easy stuff to do. So it's well, like BD second does nature. does a great job yeah.
0: making anybody sound good. He, he takes any <laughs> voice and makes it sound good. He's got the talent. Well, he's um, got a lot of work
4: to do with me, so <laughs> he should be fine.
0: Yeah, you know... um, uh, two words to that, as far as what you said, your your confession there, Amen. Same two words, Amen. Uh, because that's what DCS is for me. I was a young aircrew life support guy in Kadena, my first assignment F-15s, and one, you know, my call sign is from my squadron naming ceremony because we were part of ops. Uh, There's like ten enlisted guys in the squadron, and then everybody else is a fighter pilot. And uh, I got the name off of my last name, Welch, as Grape Juice. And so they shortened it to Juice. And, uh, and one day the pilots were, I was being selected for the William Tell team, and the pilots came to me, and one of them was uh, getting dressed and goes, Hey, Juice, uh, I was talking to some of the pilots, and we want to nominate you to go to the Air Force Academy. And I said, I don't know, sir. That's a lot like college, isn't it? And, uh, and that was my missed opportunity to go to the zoo and become a real officer so but for me it's always been air force the the, the hornet is my favorite airplane in dcs the viper is a, a really close number two and the apache is my favorite helicopter now so so in the books you you mentioned the audiobook in the in the books so as part of the new adventure uh it, it, if this is a prequel then then you know flip's not going to be an admiral what's his uh what's his grade is he going to be a captain by now or or is, this a, is he going to be a junior ensign or a, a JG or
1: what? He is a, a lieutenant commander uh, beginning his what we call a department head tour. So uh, still a lieutenant commander.
3: Uh, speaking about the voice actors, I forgot to mention Red Guide, who is also playing a role in the campaign as an exchange officer from the Royal Air Force flying with Ravens
0: well guys that's amazing uh I'm looking forward to the campaign personally i know uh flip is looking forward because he loves hearing his voice over there uh, but <laughs> about it, that let's go <laughs> with our guest today with uh with hoser and jello and and b d let's go around one more time and uh offer closing closing remarks uh anything you want to add in that we didn't cover already in the questions to, before we close out
1: well juice thanks for uh for having us today i, I think that uh, players are going to find Dominant Fury is going to build on, uh, on what they played with, with Raven 1. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be all of that intensity, all of that realism, and, and raised to another level. And, and uh, again, I, I, my uh, congratulations, and I'm sure Jello agrees, to, to Baltic Dragon with, with all of this, all of this, uh, the, uh, the AI, the, the size of these missions, the uh the we used every part of super carrier that we could um, and so I think uh, you know th- this is going to be something that uh, if you're a hornet driver that you're going to want to get
2: and I'll jump in and say uh, thanks for having us today. It's been fun to talk about the process. It's been a pleasure for me to work with Hoser and BD uh, a couple of professionals who really do pour their heart and soul into this and I would say if uh, anyone thinks it's a third effort all around, I would say it's probably mostly Hoser dreaming it up and BD creating it, and then I kind of cherry-pick here and there. But uh, uh, it's great to be a part of it and, and see how it's made, and I hope the players really enjoy it.
3: Yeah, also many thanks from my side. It's It's been just an amazing journey working on it. I've learned a lot, as always. Uh, also learned, it's funny, between uh, the difference between Navy and U.S. Air Force, and some people ask me, are, are the radios for Navy really so sterile, so no talking at all, almost, almost no talking during the mission, because they, they learned from other campaigns that it's probably different with U.S. Air Force, and I think to some extent it's true, I mean, it's, there are differences between the uh, branches, but uh, yeah, it's been great fun, we hope to have it wrapped up soon, and released pretty soon, and, and hope you'll enjoy it. you will enjoy it. Well, that sounds great. You know,
0: the uh, to talk about the inter-service, uh, uh, you know, uh, what I should say, training. Uh, that was really ramping up in the last 30 years. Uh, joint exercises are paramount because we go to war as a joint force. We don't go. The Air Force is not doing their own thing. The Navy's not doing its own thing. And so, there, I'd say 80 to 95 percent of the terminology and all of the training, you know, I'd sit on on the debriefs in the squadrons I was in. Uh, are pretty much universal and so there is you know for somebody that plays DCS that's never lived it they're going to come out and say no that's not how they say this or that's not how they do that but you know you'd be surprised at how much is common how much is uh, like and then at the end of the day it's all who ends up buying at the bar is is what we we go by so with that my co-host bell welcome again sir this is our second show together <laughs>
4: indeed indeed and i gotta say i've had a lot of fun with this one especially uh given the fact that you know we're all personally involved with it and i do have to give like a huge shout out and thank you to our three guests to kevin to to baltic dragon if it were not for you three gentlemen we wouldn't have this wonderful world and you know, experience that we're getting to play through in what is ostensibly the sim of our dreams so thank you to you all for making it a reality and i'm proud to be a part of it
3: and thank you for your work as flip i mean really given the co- flip as a character a new life in his campaign it's amazing job thank you very much
0: well as those that know me as juice the conversational void that you'll never get out of Uh, I'm going to sign off for us all. This has been a great show. Thank you for the opportunity and the honor of being here, guys. Have a good day, everybody. This is Juice. We are clear. Thanks for listening to Air Combat Sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about it. You have a question, idea for an episode, or a special guest you'd like us to invite? Feel free to reach out on Facebook, Discord, or via email. Air Combat Sim was brought to you by BVR Productions.